Hi, I'm Joaquin Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. I pray that Jesus ministers to you through today's message and that you are blessed deeply. If you're encouraged, please like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of our weekly sermons. Enjoy the message. So I want to talk to you this morning about a subject that over the last few years I have become acquainted with, um, a feeling an emotion that I have walked through, that I have sat in, that I have processed, and that is pain. <laughs> Fun, I know! <laughs> but I want to talk to you this morning about the purpose of pain. Yes, I know. Well, maybe it's good that there's a lot of laughter. It'll stop people from crying. Okay. I want to break this feeling down, this emotion that we feel, because I believe that in the last few years, if we've learned anything, it's that we live in a fallen world and that there is pain. And I think a lot of us have experienced pain in some way or another. We may have lost someone in the pandemic who was close to us. I haven't been home or seen my parents or met my nieces and nephews for three and a half years. And so there's pain all around us in many forms, but I believe that pain has a purpose. And I believe the purpose of pain is not to avoid it. And I think that as a church, as we begin to get good at processing pain and finding the purpose in pain, then we can become healed and healthy so that we don't go and cause more Right? Because we all know that hurt people hurt people, don't we? Yeah, and sometimes we don't even know that we're hurting, but we're going around hurting other people simply because we don't know or haven't been made aware that we have pain in our life that has yet to be processed. So I want to talk to us this morning about that because I think that as the charismatic movement, the Pentecostal movement, right, we're like, God is good, think positive. Like we're on this train of just like positive emotions. And I love it. And we are meant to live, hear me, we are meant to live in a place of joy. But if we ignore that there are valleys to go through, then A, we miss out on what God has for us in those valleys. And B, we feel alone, we feel segregated, we feel invalidated in our pain. And so we don't do a good job processing it. We shove it down, we allow it to grow and make us unhealthy. So it's important that we get this. Because we've said it before, at the moment... It feels like the church as a whole has an autoimmune disease. The church is attacking the church. The body is attacking the body. Believers are attacking one another. And it's not okay. But I tell you, we're attacking one another because we're hurting. Hurt people hurt people. But here's the great news. Healthy people heal people. So we can either be agents of pain and hurt in other people's lives, or we can be agents of health and healing. And I know what I want to be. And if we all believe in Jesus and follow him, then I think you're all on the same page as me. Amen? Okay. 
Okay, so John, John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. To me, this is honestly one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And I know it's like, Renee, that's so weird and morbid and sad. But to me, this is the moment where Jesus becomes real to me. This is the moment where Jesus steps into humanity and enters into pain and sorrow. Because can I tell you, he is the God of the universe. He knew that four days later, his friend would be raised from the dead. Yet he chose to feel grief and sorrow. (laughs) Thank you, Jeff. I believe that one of the reasons why Jesus stepped into a place of pain and sorrow is so that he could meet us there. That word wept means to express deep sorrow and to pour forth tears from the eyes. It's not to pretend that we've got something in our eyes and pretend we don't cry. It's to liberally show the emotion of sadness. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Can I make a confession? I hate pain. I hate it. Not just physical pain, which I don't think anyone's a fan of. If you are, we will have a ministry team up the front for you. But emotional pain, I don't like it. I just like to pretend that it doesn't exist. And honestly, it hasn't been since the last three years probably is since I've stopped and actually looked at pain and allowed pain to work in my life and found the purpose of pain. But before that, I wanted nothing to do with it. In fact, I always thought that the goal of pain was to avoid it. The goal of pain is not to avoid it. It's to process it. And it's allow it to do something within us that only pain can do. There must be a reason for pain. And I'm not prophesying doom and gloom here, but as you know, we live in a fallen world. So there is going to be pain, whether we like it or not. But it's what we do with that pain that will get to determine where we live for the remainder of our time, in that place of joy, in that place of hope. But we have to learn how to process pain. Our goal as believers is to be able to feel pain, process pain, meet God there, then live in a place of hope and joy. See, the cycle of our life, and I believe God wants us to live most of our days in that place of joy, but it would be unwise for us to believe that there is not something profound and something beautiful that can only be found in times of pain. We have to begin to understand that pain is not bad. Pain is not bad. You know, our bodies were designed to feel pain. When you hurt yourself, 
your body feels pain as a warning sign to send help to that area. I'm pointing to my foot because I shoved a shovel in my foot the other day, and it was really painful. <laughs> but I'm so glad that I was in pain. Otherwise, I would have just kept hacking away at my foot. <laughs> you know, leprosy, we all hear about leprosy, and as, as many of you know, if you know much about that disease, you see people who have lost limbs and extremities because of leprosy. And the reason is, is that it damages the nerves and stops you from being able to feel physical pain. So you'll get a cut, you'll get a bruise, you'll get whatever you might have in your hand, and if you don't feel it, pretty soon infection starts to set in. And that infection starts to grow, and people begin to lose limbs and extremities because they have an inability to feel pain. So pain is not bad. Unprocessed pain will become an infection in your life. And if you don't learn to feel pain and process it, it will eat away at you until you lose the things that are the most dear to you. I'm going to speak to two categories of people. So people tend to live in one of two camps. Some, sometimes in the middle of both. But for most of us, we either want to deny or avoid pain at all costs. There's another group of people that I don't really understand, but I'm told they exist. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But that they like pain. That they actually have become so well acquainted with pain that it has become a coping mechanism in their life. It has taken up residence in their life. Can you imagine, I had this thought the other day, can you imagine in school if we were taught how to process pain and emotions? I mean, when was the last time you used trigonometry? <laughs> Unless you're an architect or an engineer or an astronaut, you have a free pass. But when was the last time that you used trigonometry? When was the last time you had to process an emotion? This morning, me too. <laughs> I wish, could you imagine what our society would look like if we taught our kids how to identify and process emotions? We'd have a whole lot less hurt people hurting people. But I want to talk a little bit about the pitfalls that live in either of the camps that we'll incur. And I want to read a portion of Psalm 23 and link it to both of these places. Now, Psalm 23, 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In the Passion Translation, it says this, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. I feel like we just need to say that together. Fear will never conquer me, for you already have. I tell you, that's a great declaration to make over yourself every day, isn't it? Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely, for you are near. So for the first group of people who avoid pain, 
You know, we, we read, when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, yet we translate it, when your path takes me around the valley of deepest darkness. Don't we? Because God is a good God. Why would he let us be in pain? We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But let me tell you that there is a level of intimacy that can only be found in trials, challenges, grief, sorrow, and pain. And when you walk around the valley instead of going through it, you miss out on a depth of relationship with Jesus that you will get no other way. You know, your physical bodies hold trauma. When you have not processed trauma, your physical bodies will retain that trauma and it will manifest physically in your life. Whether your mind believes that you're in pain or not, your body tells a different story. There are so many links between sickness and unprocessed trauma. Anxiety, stress, insomnia, constant worry, high blood pressure, upset stomach, rumination, and the list honestly went on and on and on. Sometimes we're sick because we haven't dealt with the things that God needs us to deal with. And we can pray all about it. But can I tell you, oftentimes pain is not an instant healing miracle. Because there is a process to it. And there is a purpose to walking through it. And we've got to learn how to do that well. Often those who don't want to be in pain and avoid it at all costs, they don't often like crying. I used to think that, you know, you were tough and strong if you didn't cry. And see, our inability to cry should not be worn as a badge of bravery. It should not be shown as a sign of strength. Our inability to cry is a sign of a fracture in our emotional development. And I don't know about you, and this deals with men specifically. I know some women deal with this, but men even more. I am sick and tired of the world telling our men that processing emotion is weakness, and it is not okay. The very thing that connects them to themselves and connects them to other people is being told to them as a lie that it is a sign of weakness. And we look at this generation and we say, why do we have a fatherless generation? Why have we got all dads out there who are emotionally unavailable? Because society keeps telling us that for you to process emotion looks like weakness. But let me remind you that Jesus wept. And if he is our model, if he is our model, then we got to stop believing the lie that crying is just for girls. You know, crying allows us to release emotions. It reduces stress, helps to relieve pain, releases toxins, has a soothing effect. 
Look, can I give you a tip if you find it hard to cry? I find it hard to cry sometimes. But look, go onto YouTube and look soldiers returning home and surprising their kids. Every time. It will get you. And if you don't cry over that, then I don't know. I don't know if there's hope for you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm so joking. But it's the most beautiful thing in the world. And it just makes me, oh, my heart. You're welcome. Okay. For those of you who like pain or who live in a place of pain, maybe you don't like it, but maybe that's all you know. Let me tell you again, it says, when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, it does not say when I set up a campsite for you to live in pain. It says your path, paths are meant to walk on, not be lived on. It's okay to sit in pain. It is not okay to camp there. And when we sit in pain, we live in anxiety and stress. Our bodies, again, they manifest unhealthy emotions through sickness and chronic illness. You know, every time you live in that place and you relive a traumatic experience, Doctors are now saying that through their research, it's as though you're reliving that experience over and over and over again. And so your body doesn't just feel the pain of that one traumatic event. Your body has lived that traumatic event a hundred times. And it just keeps accumulating the interest. We've got to learn how to process pain. It's so important. If you live in a place of pain, you will never reach your full potential. And you will begin to push people away. Because look, people don't mind visiting you in that place. And we've got to get good at mourning with those who mourn, right? People don't mind visiting you in a place of pain. They just don't want to move in with you. And eventually they're going to start to back away because they don't want to live there. They don't know what to do with that. Here is the tension. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. There is joy that is meant to be found at the other end of our valley. Here is the tension that we have in our culture and a lot of cultures. One of the core values of this house is God is good. God is good. And just in case you didn't believe it, I'm going to read some scriptures. And this by no means is an exhaustive list. There are hundreds of scriptures that talk about the goodness of God. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. First Chronicles 16.34, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercies endure forever. Psalm 25.8, good and upright is the Lord. Mark 10.18, Jesus said to them, why do you call me good? No one is good but one. And that is God. We serve a good God. But can I tell you, it is possible to be in pain and still believe that God is good. 
It is possible to experience disappointment and still believe that God is good. And it is the tension that we as believers walk in all the time. And it's when this belief that God is good moves away from just belief and into conviction that we can stand in a valley of darkness and still say he is good. Can I tell you, I, um, I had a cousin, his name was Paul. He was a great man. He had uh, two young kids, and at the age of 37, he was, he was feeling ill one day, healthy, um, healthy guy, but he was feeling ill one day. He went into the hospital on a Friday, and by Monday, he had died. He got the SARS flu. He died in two days. I was in second year school of ministry. So I was in deep with this group of people that was shouting how good God was. I was being taught day in, day out that God heals. And I was crying out. I was crying out for the Lord to heal him. And I believed with all my heart that he would be healed. Didn't get healed. They had two little kids. And my cousin, who's now a widow at the age of 37, and I, have, I know I'm not the only person in this room who has faced disappointment and heartbreak that God didn't do what we thought He was going to do. And the disappointment of feeling let down by God. But here is the deal. Long before that, I had made a conviction in my heart that God was good. And that even if my circumstances didn't match up, that I could still hold on to that truth while figuring out how to deal with my disappointment. And so many of us have been in that place of pain. So many of us may be in that place of pain now where God hasn't shown up the way that you've wanted or expected him to show up. He hasn't healed you yet. Everyone around, you're hearing all these amazing testimonies, but where is your testimony? Where's your miracle? We will all have to walk this road of tension, of feeling pain, processing disappointment, and are we going to allow that to determine if our God is good or not? It's this tension that we live in in our culture. And I want to say this. It's okay to be in pain. It's okay to be disappointed. It's okay. You can still believe that God is good in the midst of your grief. doesn't have to be either or. It's okay to be angry sometimes. It's just not okay to stay there. It's just not okay to allow these things to grow and fester in us. We've got to learn how to process them. 
I'm going to go on a rabbit trail, a controversial one, just because I thought, I don't know if this is very controversial. I should just throw something in there that kind of is, just to spice things up a little bit. And it's just a thought. I actually, I'm actually not saying this is true or this is not. It's just a thought. I don't know if you ever have thoughts like this. I read scriptures. We were having a conversation with Dr. Pete Carter the other day at our house, and there are scriptures, you know, in Genesis where it talks about the Lord saying, I will multiply your sorrow, and in pain you shall bring forth children. I'm like, man, can you multiply something that wasn't there? As in, was there pain in the garden? Now, I know there's no pain in heaven. Revelations tells us that. And I don't know. I mean, I don't have the answer. But it's food for thought, huh? And if pain was in creation, shouldn't that cause us to stop and reevaluate what the purpose of pain is? I joke with my sister-in-law all all the time. Usually um, at baby showers, everyone's like, we just pray for a supernaturally pain-free birth. And I'm like, I got faith to see cancer healed and tumors dissolved, but my faith wavers heavily on supernaturally pain-free childbirth. But anyway, side note, he's God, he's good, he can do it. Even though my circumstances have told me differently. Here is the purpose of pain, I believe. Again, there may be more, but I'm going to highlight two reasons why I think pain exists. And I touched on one already, and it is intimacy. Kess said this during the close of worship, but 1 Peter 4.13 says, But to the degree, to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that at the revelation of his glory, you may also rejoice and be overjoyed. To the degree that you partake in the sufferings of Christ. There is an intimacy that is found when we step into sorrow and grief and heartache and pain. It is a place where Jesus with his nail-torn hands, meets us because he was well acquainted with pain. Sometimes we have to sit with our brokenness. Sometimes we have to sit, not camp, sit in our trials and allow God to minister to us in that place. We have to lean in to the pain, which is so uncomfortable, right? And the reason that we don't do it well is because it's not fun. No one wants to be in pain, but there is a purpose to it. Elizabeth Elliot says this, I am not a theologian or a scholar, but I am very aware of the fact that pain is necessary to all of us. In my own life, I think I can honestly say that out of the deepest pain has come the strongest conviction of the presence of God and the love of God. There is a beauty that we find in our relationship with Jesus. Can I tell you? Oh, you don't have much time. Let me tell you the last year of my life 
I have had the opportunity, the invitation, if you will, to walk through some extremely painful moments. And I'm so glad that I learned to be able to sit with pain. And you know, sometimes I think to myself, would I want those situations to change? In one way, yeah, they were really hard. But there is no way I would trade them for what I got with God, for those moments of intimacy where he met me, where I was at the end of my rope and he found me there and he picked me up. He didn't brush me off and say, come on, just build a bridge, get over it. He just simply sat there with me and he said, this is okay. This is okay. And my relationship with the Lord is so much more in-depth and so much more beautiful in the last 12 months because of the pain that I've experienced. I really wouldn't trade it. Another reason why pain has a purpose is redemption. Pain births redemption. In fact, your entire faith, the bedrock of your faith, was birthed out of a place of pain where God so loved the world that he gave his son to die for you when you and I didn't deserve it. On the other end of God's pain was birthed the greatest story of redemption that the world will ever know. We cannot omit pain and suffering from our faith. It is a part of the foundation. C.S. Lewis says, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And we just need to look at our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine right now, don't we? To see that there is pain and that there is sorrow and that there is heartache all around us. But can I tell you, we have friends over there, a ministry that you all have sown into and helped support. And they have said, seen 7,500 people receive Jesus in the past three weeks. Because pain births redemption. And God is in the business of redeeming. Amen? I tell you, it is often following great trials and challenges in society that revival is birthed. The redemption of revival. Miracles oftentimes follow pain. I want to give you a few tools on how to process pain. You ready? There are not any order in particular, but the first is prayer. And in order for prayer to work, 
in the process of pain is you have to be honest with God. He doesn't want to hear your well-rehearsed prayers. He wants to hear the emotions that you're feeling. He wants to know the pain that you're in. We have to learn to get honest with God. He doesn't want the perfect image that we pretend to place before him. He wants the broken parts. He wants the good parts. He wants the ugly parts. He wants it all. And in order for God to do a deep work in us, we've got to get honest with him. And we've got to pray through our pain. Vulnerability. You've got to be vulnerable. You've got to let people in. I don't believe that the Bible would have said mourn with those who mourn if he meant for us to do it alone. Right? We've got to get good at tearing down our walls and admitting that we're in pain. I had a conversation with a friend once in, um, at a ranch that we were visiting, and she was awesome. But I was, I was having this moment, and she said, how are you doing? And you know, me, I don't like pain, so I, my usual go-to is, I'm doing great. I'm doing fine, like no matter what is happening. I'm doing fine. I'm doing great. It's like when a wife and a you know, husband and wife have an argument, and the husband says, how are you doing? She's like, fine. <laughs> you know that she's not fine. Right? But that's what we do so much of the time, isn't it? Oh, we're fine. Yeah, we're great. But you know, in that moment, I felt the Lord stop me before I answer, and he said, hey, you can either decide to be honest, or you can just keep pretending that you're fine. And so I just was like, you know what? I'm not doing good. This is hard. This is hard. <laughs> Leading in the midst of a global pandemic, racial unrest, political unrest, this is hard. They didn't teach me this at ministry school. <laughs> and I'm not sure I would have signed up for this had I have known the road ahead. I might have done this in five years' time. <laughs> But this is hard. This season has been hard. I began to cry, and she began to cry, and she began to just minister to me. And it was so freeing and so healing for me because I didn't have to pretend anymore that I was okay. I let someone in. And this is where community becomes family. And if you don't have community... Get some. We put structures in place to help you find community. We've got life groups. We've got serving groups. We've got youth groups. We've got, we've got all these groups. Community is not hard to find. People just don't want to be intentional, and then they complain about the lack of community. But community is your responsibility. You've got to find community, and you've got to process pain with community. Because listen, chances are you're not the only one in that group that's not doing fine. Counseling. I have a counselor. And guess what? I started seeing her when nothing was wrong. Because I get oil checks on my car to keep it running, 
to keep it healthy, if I take care of my car, how much more should I take care of my soul and my spirit? So I see a counselor. I would highly recommend it. Honestly, you pay someone to just listen to you. It's great. I don't even have to ask her how she's doing. And sometimes I'll try to deflect and be like, well, how is your... She's like, we're not here to talk about me. I'm like... I was talking to another friend, actually. I was talking to Rodolin the other day, and she has a counselor, too. And we were just like, they're the best. They're the best, because they just listen to your problems. And they don't judge you. Oh, man. I just wish everyone had a counselor. But here's the deal, is they're not really attached to those emotions, and they stand outside of the circle and the swirl that we have created. And they're able to give us some really good tools and really good insights into processing our emotions. Sometimes you need to sit with your emotions. You need to feel the pain. Some people say that journaling is a great way of expressing emotions. Just simply writing it down. It's 12 o'clock. If you want to go grab your kids, you can. I mean, even if you don't want to, you should. <laughs> so. <laughs> Process the pain on the way. No, I'm just kidding. I'm joking. <laughs> but bring them back in. We can all cry together. Another way is get creative. It says engagement with creative activities has the potential to contribute towards reducing stress and depression and can serve as a vehicle for alleviating a burden of chronic disease. And don't tell me you're not creative because you were created by a creative God, period. You may not be able to paint. I mean, I can't paint like this, but you may not be able to paint like that, but that is not the only way to express creativity. Okay, here we go. Pass it on. 2 Corinthians first, first through, well, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. It's the whole heal People heal people. When you've learned to be comforted by God, that is when you can lean in and comfort others. Can I tell you that after walking through a year of really painful situations, I comfort and counsel people who are walking through pain a whole lot differently now than I used to. Because can I be honest, I had well intentions. I just didn't know what to say. What do you say when someone loses a loved one? They're in a better place. Heaven rejoiced today. And all of these things are true, but they're our go-to Christian response, aren't they? Think about the good stuff. You know what I say now? I'm like, that sucks. I'm so sorry. That shouldn't have happened. Let's cry together. A drowning person always has to have a life raft around them before they can help other people because the people drowning will just take them down with them. 
And it's the same with airplanes. There's a reason why you fix your oxygen mask before you help those in need. It's because you're no good if you're passed out in the airplane. Charles Spurgeon says, I am certain that I never did grow in grace one half so much anywhere as upon the bed of pain. You will learn a level of compassion when you learn to process pain that you will not be able to extend to others if you don't know how to feel it yourself. We have to get good at this so we don't keep hurting people, but so that we can help all of the people around us who are hurting. Okay, I'm going to wrap it up. I want to do some ministry time to three groups of people in particular, but we are going to have the ministry team down here later, and they would love to pray for you and pray with you. But today, I just want you to hear as a recap, it is okay to be in pain. Just please don't stay there. And if you need help, get help. And it is okay. In fact, it is a greater truth to know that God is good and still be in pain. And they can coexist. I want to talk to people who are currently in pain or have recently been through a painful season and they need a touch from the Lord this morning. Who need healing and breakthrough. I want to talk to another group of people who seem to be stuck in pain. It may not have been a recent event or season, but it seems to have become a cycle and a lifestyle that you've become stuck in. We want to help get you unstuck this morning. And then I want to talk to myself and anyone else who can relate. But to the people who avoid pain at all costs, who need help to stop and sit with pain and find the beauty that can come from pain, bless you, and allow it to go in and through you and draw you closer to the Lord. So if you're in one of those groups, then I just want you to stand up this morning. Can I have someone come on the keys? No one is in pain. Oh, yes. Thank you, Jesus. And again, also for the people who just don't know how to process pain or who try to run from it as much as possible. And again, and I will keep saying it, Jesus wept. There is no shame in feeling pain. In fact, I might even go this far to say that it is more Christ-like to feel pain than to avoid it. I just want you to put your hands on your heart for me. We're going to pray. 
Jesus. What other God can say that he has stepped in to our pain? That he can meet us in this place because he himself has been there. God, we thank you that pain has a purpose. And Lord, I ask that you would just help us in our ability to process pain. That we may come out the other side filled with joy, healed and whole, so that we can give it away. God, right now I am asking for those who are in pain at the moment, God that you would meet them in that place, that you would step in to their heartache. want to find you there. We want to find intimacy with you, Father. And as we partake in the sufferings of your Son, that you will meet us in that place, God. That you will take our hand and you will walk us through that valley. And I thank you, God, that our lives they're not just the valley. They also have mountaintops. And they have wells of extreme joy that we are meant to live in. And in the in-between as well. So God, we just open our hearts. We allow you to come inside. We get vulnerable with you, God. And we say sometimes we're angry and disappointed. And sometimes we don't understand, but we choose to trust in you. We choose to trust in your goodness, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, will you give each and every one of us a new level of compassion to walk with the brokenhearted, to walk with those who are in pain and have been through heartache. Will you give us a love for one another where we can truly enter into that place with them and help throw them a life raft? God, I ask that you would even begin to reveal some of the areas where we're hurt and we may not even be aware of it, God. Offense towards a person over what they've said. Anger towards a situation that was unjust. God, we give them to you. We give you our pain as an offering. And we worship you in this place, God. And we declare that fear 
will never conquer us, for you already have. Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.